There's nothing like a good hunting story to make your dinner guests duck out faster than a booner jumping the bowstring. Every hunt is a story to tell. Whether it's your first hunt or you have decades under your belt, every step into the woods yields an experience unique to that time, day, and season. I'm your host, Derek DeBoer, and here are a few of our hunting stories. This story goes back a number of years to the 2017 season. This was a season that we were going to try a new location. If you divide our farm into eight equal parts, uh, the farm is in a kind of a rectangular shape, and so if you divide it up in eight equal parts, the southwest eighth is what we call the west pasture, and it's about 25, 30 acres of pasture uh, fenced in that we run cattle on occasionally and uh, it's pretty thick in the bottom with some hilltops that kind of poke up out of the creek bottom there and it's a, a good spot for deer movement generally we stayed out of that area because we felt like deer might be bedding in there we would see deer movement across the tops of the hills they'd move east down toward our farm pond or come up from the pond going back west to some ag fields that were west of our property or going north and south across that hill. So really crisscrossing that whole west pasture area. But like I said, for the most part, we'd stayed out of there, but this year we wanted to mix it up a little bit. And so I was gonna focus during my week in November on that area. We had a, a good stand location set up, a nice ladder stand tucked away in a little cedar tree, perfectly hidden. And we could watch a couple of trails where they converge in that creek bottom heading back toward the pond or to neighboring properties so we felt like it was a really good location to set up and the year prior I believe my buddy Nick took a nice seven point deer an older deer but it was only a seven point frame and took that from that very same stand so we'd had some success there but I was going to focus on that stand we'd had a trail camera up oh about 25 yards or so in front of that stand and occasionally we'd get some really nice bucks moving through there, primarily through the month of November when they were chasing. So we felt like it was worth a shot at least to see what might be showing up. And it was kind of a hit or miss spot. We didn't really feel like from the trail cameras that we'd see a ton of deer through there. It didn't have the quantities maybe that we'd seen other spots, but it was worth a shot because one or two bucks in the past couple of years that had moved through there were really nice. So that was where I was going to focus this week and it would kind of split Darren and I up instead of being in the same general half of the farm would basically be hunting opposite ends. So he would hunt basically the east end of the farm and I would hunt the west and we'd cover a little bit more ground and see a little bit better movement and, and that would give us the opportunity if the deer were focusing on one 
half more than the other or something like that we if we'd get on a buck on one spot the other could just come across and and join us so we'd cover a little bit more ground and see a little bit more of the farm that way and this was the first year I was going to sit on that stand which was kind of neat because when you're hunting the same family farm from year to year you feel like you get in a rut you're generally hunting the same stand locations every year focusing on where the majority of the deer movement is and so you can feel like you're in a little bit of a rut that way so this was going to be exciting not knowing where the deer are going to come from and what you're actually going to see and that sort of thing i think the dates for this scenario were around november 7th and 8th on the 7th i believe we were sitting out and and darren had a really good encounter with a really nice buck he was sitting on what we call the green gate stand and from that stand there's a couple trails that crisscross within bow range and so you have multiple opportunities typically from that stand and about i would say going off memory i think it was nearly noon maybe 11 o'clock anyway late morning he had a really nice encounter drew back and let an arrow fly at a at a buck this deer going back to the trail camera pictures and looking he had uh, 15 points that you can count from the pictures with a drop tine just a really solid buck he made a good shot or a decent shot but he felt like from what he remembered from the shot that he hit him in the shoulder didn't get a lot of penetration and didn't seem like uh, maybe it was as as, as uh, far back as he'd like it to be so with that information he let me know and let dad know and we were going to go out after lunch and see if we could find this deer there was blood that we could follow so that was encouraging so we met up that afternoon and started at the stand where he found blood and started tracking this deer and the blood trail took us north across the creek we ended up finding a spot underneath some cedar trees where the deer had bedded up kind of some dried blood spots there and in a bed but then he must have kicked out of there and then headed back south across the creek and up into the hills and through the cedars and we were able to still follow some blood it was a little bit difficult underneath those cedar trees there's a lot of dried cedar needles you can walk really quietly but it absorbs a lot of the blood so it's kind of hard to find but we were able to track him slowly and we made our way west further and further and further and we eventually lost blood in one of those thick cedar draws but we decided just to kind of meander west and scout things out a lot of times once we start hunting especially we don't spend much time walking through the hills of our farm we get to our stands and get out of there as quietly and quickly as we can so we don't spend much time scouting since we were already kind of pushed back into those hills we decided we'll work our way west we might kick him up and get a better idea of of uh, how he's wounded otherwise we can do a little bit of scouting as we work our way west toward the farm pond and then back loop back north to the house so that was the plan for that afternoon we just kind of quietly walked the top of the hills to see what we could see well once we got to the farm pond across the valley from the pond 
there were two bucks on top of the hill and they spotted us pretty quickly we weren't really concealed although we were kind of slipping in amongst the cedars but they spotted us and they were together on the top of the hill and they bolted out of there they ran down the hill to the north which would be towards the stand that I was going to be sitting on and then looped back towards the east and they had a doe with them and that was really encouraging because we knew that if there was a doe that they were interested in that she would probably stop on the property somewhere and we'd maybe have a chance of catching up at one of these bucks we didn't get a real clear look or at least I didn't at what these deer were but they looked like they were mature bucks so that was good enough for me we went back to the house and got all figured out for that evening and I went out sat that west stand and didn't really see anything the remainder of the evening which kind of makes sense since we were messing around out there so it was a quiet evening and and just kind of got ready for the next day well the next day rolls around and it's quite a bit cooler it's a really frosty morning now the way we access that west stand we can drive the quarter mile from the house down toward where our barnyard is and I'll usually park there and then follow a two-track trail that we use with the trucks and and uh, ATV and that sort of thing it loops kind of south around the barnyard and then back west hits a hay meadow and that's divided by a creek you hit that hay meadow and then you uh, do a creek crossing across the culvert heading south and then you'll get to a barbed wire fence with a uh, steel metal gate there and that enters the, into the pasture. And accessing that way, of course, you're always trying to be super slow. You're being really careful. It's pitch black. You don't want to step on any cougar tails or summon Sasquatch. So you're being very, very careful the entire way, making sure you don't make any noise. But once you get across the creek, then you reach the pasture fence and you have the option of either going through the gate and risking jangling the chains and squeaking the gate hinge or you can push down a barbed wire on the top and straddle the fence and do a hip hop and get across the fence that way and sometimes when you do that it squeaks the wire it makes a little noise anyway but you try to do the best you can so that you get in there quietly so this morning I decided to straddle the fence push that wire down and I would just kind of do a little hop step across the fence and I'd be in the pasture. Well, what I'd forgotten about was that Dad had two horses hanging out in that pasture and they could hear me coming from a long ways and I'd forgotten about them and again, it's pitch black dark when I'm walking in that morning and the little squeak in the fence perked their ears and they came thundering over to me and I was mid-straddle across this barbed wire fence and I had to decide whether to reverse course real quick or to carry on and I decided since I was already mid-hop I'd have to go across the fence and landed on the other side and didn't know what, what I was going to face but fortunately it was just the horses and they were just breathing down my neck and looking for treats and just wanting to be scratched so I calmed down, gathered my nerves picked up the pack and all that stuff that I dropped on the ground well, of course, the horses knew who I was, and they were interested in me, and so they matched me step for step and breathed down my neck, nibbling at my hat and my pack and snorting and sniffing and that sort of thing, clopping along, not being very quiet at all. I kind of thought, well, should I just turn back? I don't, I don't know if I'll see anything with this commotion going on. But I decided, well, it's too early in the morning to tell. 
I'm just going to make it to the stand and see what happens. Well, the horses followed me step for step to the stand. I climbed up in it, and they were stationed at the bottom, kind of flicking their tails, stamping and snorting and that sort of thing, snoring around. And I decided I'd just get settled in and see what the morning brought. It was a really nice, cold, crisp morning, just perfect for what you want in November. Well, as soon as the sun started to peek up over the hills, the horses decided they needed to go do their thing, and so they clopped off to the west and left me alone. So then it was really still and quiet and just a perfect morning. And this was going to be the first experience I had with actually encountering any deer from that stand. I hadn't seen anything up to that point, even with the morning and evening sit the day before. So it's going to be really interesting. You on pins and needles trying to anticipate where the deer are going to be coming from. I wanted to be sure I was going to be ready. The way it's situated, it's sitting in a smaller cedar tree. That's a lot of times the scenario that we're presented with. The exact tree that we want to sit in isn't necessarily big enough, especially if we're using maybe a, a hang-on stand or something like that. So that's where the ladder stands are to our advantage. At least I feel that way. We can put them in some smaller trees that give us some excellent back cover and we don't have to worry about navigating around branches and that sort of thing. So this was in a smaller cedar tree and it was going to conceal me perfectly. We kind of cut out a little spot that you sit back into. There's a couple other cedars right around you and it really conceals you very nicely. And then in front of the stand there's a mixture of Osage orange or hedge trees and small scrub elms. There's not a a real long shot or at least that at that point there wasn't. Now we've kind of cleared the area out so you can see a little further down a an opening and get a further shot but at that point the shot you're going to have was going to be inside of 30 yards definitely before you get to some of those trees and so I was really anxious I wanted to be, make sure that I was ready for anything that came through understanding that if a buck did come through with a doe it was possibly going to be a really quick encounter and I'd have to be ready really quick so Spent a little time with the daylight, ranging a few spots, different trails and things that I thought uh, might be to my advantage. Playing through different scenarios in my mind, double-checking my bow, making sure it's ready. And not long after the sun rose up over the hill to my backside, I saw some does start to filter down from the south. So they were kind of coming from the southeast down the hill, kind of in a single-file line not real fast and filtering down through munching on leaves as they came making their way to the bottom and they made their way once they hit the kind of the valley floor if you will they made their way to the west there's a bunch of thick buck, br uh, buck brush and osage orange and some other stuff that they like to nibble on so they were over there kind of meandering around and and munching and and uh, i was watching them well then out of the corner of my eye down that same path I caught another movement this time it was a buck and he he looked decent I could tell he looked fairly wide when he turned his head back and forth and and so I was pretty intrigued I was trying to size him up he didn't look like he had super tall tines but his width made up for it and he was definitely interested in those does he made his way down followed them and kind of chased them around making his way from one to the other and eventually they got kind of tired of him messing with them. So they started making their way back towards me, towards the east. And they hit one of the prominent trails that would bring them by 
basically to the bottom of the stand, no more than like three yards from the base of the tree stand. And again, single file, they made their way past me. And they seemed to know something was up, or at least think, the older ones anyway, would think something's up. And one of them almost pegged me. She looked right directly up at the stand, but couldn't quite figure me out. So she made her way on past. And this was making me nervous because typically you would set up so that your scent is blowing behind you where you have the least chance of a shot opportunity. Well, if these does filing past me, I was afraid they were going to smell me and bolt out of there and take this buck with them with before I could even judge what he was. But he'd gotten preoccupied. There was another small uh, buck that had joined him by this time, and so he was focusing his attention on that smaller buck, keeping him away from the does and kind of running back and forth, and I could barely make him out through the trees. I was just trying to get a a good idea of, of what he was. Well, eventually he got tired of that and he started making his way my direction following the does. And he got about 30 yards out and threw some brush and he was working a scrape, working a licking branch, and I got a little bit better look at him. And just from what I saw of him, he reminded me of, well, we, when we watch uh, the hunting shows and that sort of thing, you notice maybe the Texas deer are a little bit wider and shorter tines and that's what this deer reminded me of and he looked pretty nice as I was watching him so I thought well if he if he gives me a good shot and comes by where these does come I'm gonna have a hard time not taking a shot at him so made up my mind and and he eventually meandered in front of the stand and he did the exact same thing that that old doe had done he picked me out at least he felt uneasy about something and he looked up in my direction but as deer sometimes do, they can't really pick you out if they're looking straight at you. They'll kind of bob their heads and try to make you move or try to figure you out. So he spent a little time kind of trying to do that. But then the attraction of the does was too much for him. So he broke away from me and started filing back towards them. Well, if he had followed the exact same trail that they followed, I wouldn't have had a shot. It would basically have been straight down. And it wouldn't have been open enough for me to take that shot. Fortunately, when he got about 15 yards out, he took a hard break to his right. And that opened him up broadside. And as soon as he took that breaking move, I was ready with my bow. I drew and settled on him. And it was such a close shot, I just let fly right behind his shoulder. And it was immediately a good hit. I could tell that. It made a good sound. And he bucked and ran off towards the west, kind of following the base of this hill. And I lost sight through the trees, but I felt like it was a really good hit. I could see my arrow and tell that it was a, a solid hit. So that was super exciting. I think now, thinking back to it, I wonder if one of the things that might have saved me that morning was the horses. That, In fact, with them kind of walking in with me, I think the deer were probably used to hearing them, so they would have concealed any of the noise that I made. And you can smell a horse from a little distance, and so surely they would have masked some of my scent. So I think having them in the area around me actually helped me out and, and uh, maybe contributed to, to part of the success of that hunt. So I was super excited to have a deer down and anxious to tell Darren. I contacted Dad and had him bring the little Ford Ranger my direction so we could haul this deer out and, and got a hold of Darren. and and he was gonna meet up with me. So we gave the deer a little bit of time and then went and recovered him. Dad 
went with me and we found him just right at the base of the hill. We followed the blood trail the whole way over there, but we just probably wouldn't have needed to. He was laid up on the side of the hill and found him in pretty short order. Darren helped me drag out and took a few pictures there at the creek crossing. One of the better pictures I think we've taken of a deer. We really enjoy the after the hunt photos, making sure that we get some good documentation of these deer because it's such a fun experience and, and that's oftentimes what what we remember. So that was a really fun hunt. I think for multiple reasons. One of them being that it was a new stand location for me. So just the anticipation of not knowing where those deer were going to come from and trying to be ready for them. And then just the fast paced rut type hunt. You never know how fast they're going to come in, if you're going to be prepared for them. And a nice, it ended up being a nice close easy shot for me so since then we've taken a number of deer there like I said my buddy Nick I think took the first one from that stand after we'd set it up the year prior I took this wide buck Darren took a really unique rack deer from that stand a few years ago and then my 2020 buck came in to that stand and got a good shot on him there as well and got that one on video in fact so barely proven to be a really good stand and, and we're excited to hunt out there again this year turns out there are quite a few deer moving through that area we've switched from back then we were using oh let's see i think they were all bushnell cameras back then so we'd have to go out and check them now we've switched that to one of the reveal tactic cams um so now we get to get pictures on our phones and we don't have to get out out in that area and, and disturb anything so that's pretty exciting hopefully we can fine-tune that area and, and close in on one this fall